So we are in week four of the Beyond Limits class, and this is actually one of my favorite weeks to teach. And this week, um, we're calling it Kingdom Blueprints. And I used to call it uh, Destiny and Supernatural Experience, but I'm changing it. So speaking of Kingdom Blueprints, I just want to say right out of the gate that the Lord... um, I had an experience with the Lord when it came to putting together Beyond Limits. I remember, let me just tell you a little bit about how the class came into being. Like, my past was a lead pastor, and I've typically been like a leader at the source and those kinds of things. And I just kind of fell into this season. The Lord brought me into a season where I was really questioning uh, my role in things. And I was feeling really overwhelmed with being the decision maker and feeling like everything was falling on me and that kind of thing. And uh, I just had to go to uh, Christine and Kim. And I was on the bench, the leadership bench at that point in time. And I was just saying, hey, I feel like I need to step back from this and uh, just really serve. Like, here are the things I'm good at. Here's what's bringing me life in this season. And I need to just step into that. And so I stepped out of essentially the pulpit and I stepped out of teaching every single week, but I knew that the Lord had called me and gifted me to teach and wanted me to teach in some capacity. I just didn't know what it was at that point in time. And so as time went on and I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, I'm having this journey into embracing supernatural possibility. Really what I'm saying is, like the Lord is undoing a lot of my theology and my, my previously held theologies and doctrines and then just kind of opening my mind to what is possible with the Lord, to the potential of the power and the relationship and the interactions with Father in heaven. And so he's doing this and all the while he's laying this foundation of scripture for me because he just I, I knew what he was doing. He was laying a foundation also for me to be able to then teach the Beyond Limits class. But I was in the car, I was on the way to Texas with with Christine, and I just started telling her, I said, you know, I feel like I need to be teaching this class that's kind of a bridge from, you know, people who were where I was really questioning and not really sure how things go. And, yeah, I don't know, just I I was having these questions about uh, engaging heaven and supernatural and the way the Spirit is involved in people's lives and and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, but the Lord has really brought me out of that. And and I feel like I can help people take that next step into what is possible. And, and I said, maybe I need to teach a class. So we were talking about her intro to engaging heaven and, and how I could do it after that or before that kind of as a foundation or a jumping off point for people. And she was like, well, press in about it and see what the Lord says. And so I did. And the Lord said yes to do the class. But this is the part of the story I, I wanted to get to. Um, I, I didn't want to do it without the Lord leading me in it and showing me exactly how I needed to help walk people. Like how many weeks is it going to be? What am I going to teach each week? Um, what is it going to be titled? What are the scriptures going to be like? What is all the stuff that, you know, Give me every detail, every step of the way. So during this time, this was pre-COVID, if you guys can remember that time in your life. And so it was back in like January, and I was using my lunch breaks to go to the gym um, when I was still working at the office. And so I would run the track for 30 minutes, so just about every 
uh, every lunch break. And I was getting in the habit of that. I was pressing into the Lord. I was making sure that I wasn't wearing my headphones so I could just think and have a clear space. I was creating space for the Lord. And I remember as I was running, I said, okay, God, I'm supposed to start this Beyond Limits class like in February, whenever it was. And I was like, I just need you to lead me and guide me and show me what I'm going to do and how this is going to go. And I remember one day I'm running and he's like, here's week one. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And then the next day I'm running, he's like, here's week two. And then I got like three weeks of it. And I'm like, I don't know what the last week is going to be. So then maybe a week later, the Lord showed me again while I was running, here's week four. And he just kind of laid out. And here's what's ha- what happens in my brain, if you can imagine this, is that um, just imagine like, imagine the stars at night. And so you have these different, different stars all over this, you know, dark sky canvas. And imagine if some sort of like, if a, if a comet ran into one of those stars and then it started a chain reaction to where all the stars started connecting and then lighting up. So this is what happens in my brain when the Lord gives me teaching. It, he shows me one thing, the revelation hits, and then it just lights up all over the place. And in a moment, I know exactly what I'm going to teach and the way it's going to flow. And, uh, and so then I just make outlines based on what the Lord has showed me. And it's like he'll give me three or four scriptures, and I'll write them all down, and then he'll kind of fill in the blanks. But, I mean, it's just kind of like this instantaneous thing. And so the moral of this story or the point of this story is that I believe that the Lord, as we press in and seek his heart and seek his mind and seek his will, that he can give us very specific details about things that we are to do, places we're to go, um, things we're to say, how we're to interact with people. For those of you who've, who've functioned in a prophetic gifting before, you know exactly the words the Lord gives you to speak to somebody else. You're like, oh man, I got a word for somebody. And you know exactly the words, and then you go and you say, hey, here's what the Lord told me to do. That's just speaking forth the heart and the mind of God. But let me tell you that we can live a prophetic life in the way that we can tap into the heart and the mind of God and understand and know his will down to the detail. And as we've been talking about this, he invites us into relationship And then he reveals his will, his heart's desire, and then invites us to partner in bringing that will forth from heaven into earth. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight. But what I want to um, first do, let me log into my Evernote here. My mic's falling apart. So there's... I I do want to talk about destiny just for a quick second because this ties in to this idea of getting these blueprints or these details. And I'll tell you exactly why I'm using using that phrase, uh, blueprint, as we dive deeper into this, this teaching. So, I want to talk about two kinds of destiny. I want to talk about destiny in the way of God doing a work in you and destiny in the way of God doing a work through you. And we talked about this last week where Jesus called his disciples to be with him and then they would preach and then there would be supernatural flow from that, right? There would be, they they would cast out demons. Jesus called disciples to be with him and then they would preach and they would cast out demons. And a lot of us try and get the cart before the horse and we want to do for the Lord before we're with the Lord. 
but it's through the being with the Lord that we find the what to do for the Lord or with the Lord. We essentially do it with him. And I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will send the Holy Spirit. And so this idea of destiny, let's look at Romans 8, 29 through 30. And this is the idea of God doing a work in you. So verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So there's that word, destiny, predestined. It was determined beforehand your destiny to be conformed to the image of a son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. So the phrase or the word predestination in this situation has to do with being conformed into the image of the Son, not with whether or not you would be saved or all this predestination theology that people like to throw around. He knew us. He foreknew us. And he predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son. So that's the work that he wants to do inside of us is constantly transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. So let me tell you that that is first and foremost in the life of the believer is conformity into the image of the son. And so what is that? To me, that's dying to self. Less of me, more of him. Less of self, less of flesh, less of selfishness, and more love, and more grace, and more mercy, and more justice, and more of his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not my will be done on earth. And so the work that he wants to do in us. So all of our life is this process of being transformed into the likeness of the Son. Scripture says that he takes us from glory to glory. It's ever-increasing glory. So we increase into the image of glory as we decrease away from the image of self. And so this is the primary work of the Lord in our life, I believe. It happens in us as we're with him, and then he goes on to do something through us. And so if anything else, a lot of people will want to do for the Lord again first. They just want to work for him and do for him and live for him. And a lot of times, maybe he just needs to be doing a work in you, bringing you more into the image of Christ. So if he has a situation where, Jesus, where, where Yeshua is going to show up on the earth and meet somebody and, and be Christ in the flesh, the hands and feet of God, as they say, well, then you have to take on that image in order to be him to them in that time. And so it may be that we're not engaging in some of those conversations or in some of those relationships because we've not yet taken on that part of who Christ is. Somebody needs to be loved unconditionally. And so he's teaching us unconditional love and conforming us into the image of unconditional love. If he needs us to be patient and kind towards somebody, he is going to put on us the image of patience and kindness by the work of his spirit in us so that we can move into these places, these relationships, and these spaces where patience is needed, where kindness is needed, where love is needed, where long-suffering is needed, 
And so as we exist in relationship with him, he's conforming us into that image so that we move into that place we are wearing that image that is needed. Does that make sense? So there's a work to be done in you, but then also with part of your destiny, there's a work to be done through you. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not based on deeds so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Messiah Yeshua for good deeds which God prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. So in this first scripture, we see that there's a predestination, that there is a predetermination that God determined, God willed beforehand, before the foundations of the earth, that we would be conformed into the image of Christ. He says, that's your destiny. You're going to be birthed into this earth. You're going to come as a, as a spirit <laughs> born into a body that has a soul. You're going to live this life. And part of what's happening to you here is being conformed to the image of Christ. But the other part of what's happening as we journey this earth is that we are, we are going to be moving into and walking in the good deeds that God prepared beforehand. So there's a pre there's a destiny for us to walk in that have to do with good works as we are in Messiah Yeshua, as we are in Christ Jesus. So as we are in him and with him, we will begin to look like him. And as we are in him and with him, we will begin to act like him. There's an image and there's a deed. There's an image and there's a doing. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So there's a taking on of the image and then there's a doing what Yahweh leads us to do. Does that make sense? So we are being conformed to his image, and we are doing the, the good works that he predestined. The church, those who know Father, those who've been called by Yeshua and been, have had the Holy Spirit imprinted upon them, and we walk the face of the earth, we are the church. Jesus said, that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus' plan for continuing doing what he sees the Father doing and his plan for leaving his image on earth is to do it in people and to put his image and his heart onto mankind to continue to be his hands and feet, to continue to be the image of the Father, to continue to do the will of the Father. And so we've all been invited into that as we're children of, of God. And so, again, I think that we have, to, we have to grasp this idea that we play a part in what the Lord wants to do. You know, I, I was trying to coin some fancy tweetable phrase over here, but it's what the Lord was showing me. He just showed me that some of us have yet to experience, experience beyond what is possible because we haven't even grasped what is possible. Some of us think that some of these concepts and some of this kingdom living and some of this existence and this relationship with the Father through Yeshua, some of us, we've not even grasped the most basic understanding of who he is and who we are in him. 
We've not even grasped our identity as sons of God. We've not grasped our identity and the authority that is behind us that we can stand and say in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Yahweh, and have all of heaven backing us when we speak and exist. Like a lot of, I mean, gosh. Mm. <laughs> right, a lot of us, we will, we will ask for things that we don't even believe the Lord will give us. We will ask for things in this kind of like, I want to say coy, shy kind of, uh, you know, Lord, if, if you would just, could you maybe, if it's on your agenda today, nah, you know, oh, I'd kind of like this. And we're just like, there's no trust that our Father in heaven will give us a fish if we ask for fish or bread if we ask for bread. And our Father will give us the bakery if we ask for a loaf, because that's who he is. In the story of the prodigal son, the son in the field never asked for a goat, but the father said, I've always been with you, and everything that I have is yours. The son never even asked for a goat, but had access to the entire estate of the father. The younger son only asked what he thought he was worthy of, so he got a portion, right? And so there's just this idea of let us somehow <laughs> try and grasp this idea of who we are and our role within the kingdom. And we just don't have, it's not as though the Lord leads, leaves us to fend for ourselves or to conjure the resources or the strength on our own, apart from him, to do the things that he calls us to do. Again, we have all of heaven's resources behind us, and that's what we're going to talk about here this next week. We're, I, I think this next week is Holy Spirit and angelic intervention, which gets me super excited because we talk about all of heaven behind us as we are bringing forth the kingdom of God on earth. And so some of us haven't even begun to see any beyond possibility because we've not even grasped what is possible. And so that's why the Lord has me doing this. So destiny in you and destiny through you. And so the idea here is that, again, in verse 10, Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good deeds, which God prepared beforehand so we might walk in them. So the idea here is, okay, Scripture's saying that there are some good deeds that exist that have been prepared beforehand. And God prepared them. So God is the preparer. He is the keeper of the good deeds that have been prepared beforehand. So long ago... He writes out, here are these deeds that Jason Villanueva will do in Christ as he lives on this earth. And then he puts those to the side, <laughs> and they're there, filed somewhere. Christine knows where in the libraries of heaven or something like that. I mean, where are all the scrolls? There's got to be a place for them, right? In the scroll room, 
So there's been predestined, right? Even in Revelation, it talks about all these books and the books were opened and it showed all the things that everybody had done. Interesting thought to think that those created, those were created before the foundation of the earth, not something that was written during the lifetime. So there exists these good deeds, these good works to be done in Christ Jesus. And so my question to you is, how do we go about finding out what those good deeds are? So you're saying they exist. Well, where are they? They exist. Well, how do I get to know them? Well, we're going to talk about that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Therefore, Jesus is teaching his uh, disciples to pray. So, how do we communicate with the Father, is what they're asking. Like, hey, Jesus, we know that you pray. We know that you're close to the Father in heaven. Teach us to do that. Teach us to do that. And so Jesus then, he begins to teach them. This prayer is a teaching. <laughs> this prayer is, a, is, a, is an instruction, and there's depth to it. Therefore, pray in this way. Our Father in heaven. So let me be a good preacher and stop there on the first couple of sentences. Therefore, pray in this way, our Father in heaven. Where do we turn our attention when we pray? To heaven, our Father in heaven. To our Father in heaven is where we turn our attention when we pray. And so there's this idea right out of the gate Again, that Jesus is saying, our Father, Abba, Papa, Daddy, however you've heard it preached before, this intimate connection with the Father in heaven, and he calls him by this intimate name to emphasize this tight, close-knit, familial, love-based, communal-based relationship, and he just calls to him, our Father. It's a it's a speaking to, hey, Chris, right? Hey, Judy and Joe, hey, Dottie. It's a calling and attention. Our Father, Father. It's not just words going up into the air. Do you believe that when you call on the name of the Lord that he turns his ear to you? Or do you just believe that you're throwing some words into the air, hoping again, oh, Lord, if you're there, if you're listening, all that right there, is already limiting. It's already limiting. What do we believe? Jesus modeled it, praying this way, our Father. Get his attention, our Father in heaven. Get his attention on you, and you put your attention on him. You stop looking around the earth. You stop trying to use your mind or your soul or something physical, and get to heaven. Focus your attention on heaven where the Father seated. Out of this world, supernatural relationship. Focus there, Father in heaven. Oh, in heaven, not even here. Not anything that I can even comprehend in my mind. Spirit to spirit connection. Father in heaven. Sanctified be your name. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Jesus is just doing what's been taught. Entering into that space in the heavenly realm focusing on the Father, entering the courts with thanksgiving. Hallowed be your name. I come with a sacrifice of praise before you, Father, because you're worthy. 
And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he begins to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. He recognizes his role in what the Father is doing. It's not about him bringing forth, well, for us, it's not about us bringing forth our kingdom. It's the Father's kingdom. Even Jesus was going about his Father's business. It wasn't Jesus' business. It was the Father's business. It wasn't Jesus' kingdom. It was the Father's kingdom, which in essence was his, but he was doing the will of his Father for his Father, representing his Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So this understanding that we have to lay down any idea of us bringing forth our kingdom of selfishness, our kingdom of self, I wouldn't want to know what the kingdom of Jason looked like. I can be a nasty person sometimes, and if I had that much power, you know what I'm saying? If I made a world of disciples of Jason, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm being sanctified. The Spirit of God lives in me, but sometimes that flesh is like, you know? <laughs> What's that? I am a king. I'm a king, she says. I am a king. I am a priest. Yes, that is true. So, your kingdom come, your will be done. This little phrase right here gets me on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is essentially teaching as he's showing his disciples how to pray that there is a will that exists in heaven and it is that way and that we are to pray or communicate with the Father in such a way that we are saying, I desire for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. I want to see your kingdom and your glory manifest into this earth. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for the evil one, from the evil one, excuse me. And so not that any of that's to be skipped over, but I want to focus again on that phrase as it is in heaven. So again, this idea that there are things that God pre predestined for us to work in, the good deeds to do as we journey the earth, and that God has determined what those are going to be, and then they now exist somewhere. And I believe they exist, obviously, in heaven with the Father and the heart and the mind of God, and he can present those to us. Because within the scriptures, he's done this multiple times, where he has taken something that he has desired to be made manifest on earth, and he has taken the heavenly existence of that and he has communicated it to man in such a way that they were able to manifest that on earth down to the detail down to the cubit and so this is what i love this some of this stuff gets uh really exciting so hebrews chapter 8 verse 5 through 6 the writer of hebrews is talking about the priests and then the high priests and he says, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern. Everybody say pattern. The pattern shown you on the mountain. Now let me just tell you, in this day and age, when somebody is going to construct a building or a home 
or furniture or whatever it may be, they draw out blueprints and they write down all the measurements down to the T. This needs to be this big, this long. Here's the kind of wood I'm going to use, right? Here, here's the kind of shingles. Here are the fixtures. Here's where it's going to go. And the builder of a home gets exact blueprints and then they follow those blueprints and then they erect the home based on the will of the builder. You guys following me here? So there was a copy and a shadow, this sanctuary that existed in heaven, and Moses was given the blueprint of the tabernacle to be made manifest on earth. It was literally heaven coming to earth. The way I put it is the father's looking around, and he's like, we're going to do this there. And so he begins to command Moses, here's what it needs to look like. And so the Lord chose the dimensions and he chose the types of wood and he chose the cloth and he chose the furniture. He gave them names. Here's the other thing. The Lord had built the earth in such a way that all of the materials to create this tabernacle already existed. He just had to go gather them, which is crazy to think in and of itself. You know, in scripture, there talks of, we talk about manna. And that in, I believe in the Psalms, it says that manna was literally the grains of heaven and the bread of angels. So when you guys go and you look at wheat fields and grain fields, that's an image of heaven that has manifested on earth. That that exists and then came here. So now that we make our own bread and we have our own grains and our own wheat, but literally manna from heaven rained down so that what was in heaven was made manifest on earth. A supernatural spiritual space meeting earth. So there's a spiritual space that meets a physical space. And it was in that place that the Lord opened the heaven and rained down the grains of heaven. That just blows my mind. And so literally there's a sanctuary tabernacle. It's this space where Yahweh dwells. And then he says, we're going to put this on the earth. And then he begins to instruct Moses in a very detailed manner. And so verse 6, but in fact the ministry is Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. And so the writer of Hebrews is just making a point. So let's look at Exodus 25, 8 through 16, and we'll just see some of the ideas that were given to Moses to go and build this tabernacle. He says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. So let me just stop. The Lord always desires to be with his people. He's always created a space and then filled it to be there with us. The sanctuary was no different. This is why Moses was, uh, excuse me, hold on. Uh, verse nine, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Have them make an ark of acacia wood. 
two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of the ark. They're not to be removed. Then put the ark in the tablets of the covenant of law, which I will give you. So the father's giving Moses specific instruction and he's giving him very specific details he's telling him exactly how to do it and so let me just say i think oftentimes we think now the lord will give us decisions sometimes where we'll ask and we'll say well what do i do and he'll say well just do it how you want (laughs) just do it and then we have freedom in that But then there's sometimes he says, teach beyond limits, and week one's going to be this, and then week two's going to be this, and then week three's going to be this, and then week four's going to be this. And then later on, just because he told me what four weeks would be didn't mean that he wasn't going to lead me to do six weeks and then tell me exactly what those weeks need to be as well. It shifted, but it was according to his plan. And so... Moses is getting just this exact blueprint. Again, Exodus 25, verse 40, see that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So I can go all night on this stuff. Basically, what I really want you guys to see here is that the Father, in ways that he's interacted with people throughout the scriptures, um, Noah, he told him build an ark, told him exactly how to build it, right? We can go and we can read the blueprints of what the ark is supposed to be. Somebody else has gotten a hold of those blueprints and in what, Tennessee or Kentucky, they've built a, a, a replica of the ark because they had the, they had the blueprints from heaven and manifested it on earth. I'll tell you what, that's, that should be more of, more, should strike you with more awe than the fact that there's this big, huge boat in Kentucky. The fact that the blueprints for that boat came from heaven, that's the teaching I want to hear. That's what I want to hear them talk to people about when they give them the tour. That's where it came from, right? They didn't have any concept of rain. Noah sounded like a nut job. The first boat, schematics came from heaven. Is that not a correct statement? It's a heavenly vessel that the Lord commanded Noah to build. If we go on, Ezekiel... Same thing, Ezekiel is shown the temple. If you guys go and read like Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, it's all specific instruction for how the priests are going to function on a daily basis within the temple, but it's also instruction on, excuse me, he's like measuring every little, and this was this many cubits long, and this many cubits long. Let me just, we'll, uh, we'll prove it. Verse 5. Ezekiel 40, verse 5, I saw a wall completely surrounding the temple area. The length of the measuring rod in the man's hand was six long cubits, each of which was a cubit and a handbreadth. He measured the wall, was one measuring rod thick and one rod high. Then he went to the east gate. He climbed its steps and measured the threshold to the gate. It was one rod deep. So let me ask you the question. Is it possible that somebody can press into and it just exist in relationship with the Lord, begin to pray, your will on earth as it is in heaven, say, I want to do these good deeds, Lord, what should I do? And the Lord begins to say, hey, you're going to build this ministry, and here's what it's going to look like. Here's exactly what it's going to look like. 
Well, what am I going to do, Lord? Well, here's what you're going to do. Well, what am I going to do after that? Well, here's exactly what you're going to do after that. Down to the detail. Is it possible? Absolutely it's possible. Because the Lord has done this in the past. He's done it multiple times. And then we get Jesus on the scene again who says, I'm only doing what I see the Father doing, which means the Father's actions are the blueprint for my actions. That's it. Be careful to do everything according to the pattern that is shown you. Be very careful to do everything according to the pattern that is shown you. Jesus on the day will say to many, to many, didn't, you know, it, or excuse me, many will say to Jesus, didn't I do these things? And he'll say, away from me, I never knew you. It means I didn't tell you to do those things. You went and built that on your own. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. The house is in vain. Unless the Lord builds the ministry, the ministers labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the church, those who claim to be the church labor in vain. There are a lot of people out there doing things that the Lord hasn't told them to do. And they're doing it from a good heart and a good place because they are well-intentioned and want to do what is the will of the Father. But guess what? They might have read somebody else's blueprint and taken that as God's word to them and never just even asked, Lord, should I do this? Do it because the Scripture says to do it. Be obedient because the Scripture says to do it. Man, the Lord didn't tell me to do that. Oh, gosh, heresy. Heresy, you heretic. This is for everybody. This book is for everybody, and every command is for every person. Well, why aren't you building arcs and temples? Where's your ark if it's for everybody? Oh, well, that was to Noah. Oh, you're saying it was contextualized to a certain person? I'm sorry. I'm getting salty. But seriously... I want people, this is the Father's heart. It's not just my heart. I don't make this stuff up. All of this is an invitation. It's always an invitation. The Father's saying, focus on me. I will lead you and I will guide you. And I will show you exactly what you need to do. Such a simple word. And it may not look like what he's told somebody else to do in history, right? Well, you built that ark. It doesn't look like the ark that Noah built, so that's not from God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Think about the gifts, man. The Spirit came and empowered and embodied the church. We got people prophesying, giving, teaching, evangelizing, starting new ministries, going on missionary journeys, giving, loving. Everybody's doing their, doing their thing. The apostles, they're like, hey, like, we need to figure this out. There are some people that are being overlooked in the distribution of food. Some of these widows, the Hellenists and the Greeks, whatever, they're being overlooked in the distribution of food. Let's find some guys who are who are called to that and gifted to that, and then let us devote ourselves to the ministry of the word or the ministry of the word in prayer. And then later on they say, hey, we know that the word needs to go out, the gospel needs to go out to the Gentiles. Who do we send? 
Well, they should have answered the question, well, Jesus said, go in all the nations and preach the gospel. So everybody should be going everywhere no matter what and not even questioning. But what did they do? As they were fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit said, oh gosh, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and gave them a specific command. The Holy Spirit said, set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them. It was not everybody's work to go to the Gentiles. You hear me? It was specific for them, and they had to press into the heart and the mind of the Father to actually find exactly what needed to happen. All right, where was I? Where was I? Anybody remember? All over the place. I'm just, I was just bringing it. <laughs> so back to this idea. Back to this idea that the Lord can speak to us very specifically about the good works that he's prepared beforehand, that he has things for us to do, that we have destiny on us. There are things that he wants us to do. Scripture talks about how there is a time, there's a time and a place for each man. Each man has been appointed a time and a place to exist. And it's said of David that he accomplished the will of God for his generation. It was said of David that he did that. It was also said that David was a man after God's own heart. How is it that we fulfill God's will for our time and our place? It's to go after his heart. What do you want, Father? What is your desire? Going all the way back, I, I think, to week one or week two, where we're talking about, to Abram, he says, my heart's desire for you is. Did you know that God has a heart? Like, he has desires. He has things he wants. He has a will. He, did you know that things bring Yahweh joy? And so we can go after his heart and say, Father, what, what makes your heart glad in this moment? So I want to encourage you. Let me focus, Father. Thank you. Hmm. So there's this idea in scripture, well, there's just this idea in, in life. So there's a difference between having met somebody and actually knowing somebody. Would you agree with that? A lot of people will simply ask, have you met Jesus? Or I met Jesus? There were people in scripture who met Jesus and never went on to knew him to know him. The Pharisees met Jesus. They interacted with him all kinds of different ways. And he, he reprimanded them and said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you find life, yet you refuse to come to me. The very, and they're the very scriptures that testif testify about me. So Jesus is saying, you've met me. We've interacted. We've had conversation. You've seen my miracles, but you, you don't know me. So there's a difference between knowing about and actually knowing somebody, 
right? Christine, you do a lot of online ministry. You meet people who you've never met in your entire life, but they know of you, but you don't know of them. And so they're just like, oh my gosh, I've seen your class, and you're just like, wait, what's your name? Just because they, so there's a different kind of no. But then there's people like us, and there's people like your family who have been around you your entire life, and they know Christine. They, they know who you are. They've seen your, uh, your highs, your lows, your ups, your downs. They've seen your heart. They've seen what makes you cry. They know what makes you, brings you joy. They know how you tick, how you function. That's the kind of no that the Father's inviting us into. He's saying, get beyond just knowing about me because a lot of us have had ter- heard testimony about him but haven't actually sought to know him. And so it's not just about getting the blueprints. It's not just about the possibility of that. It's everything that is possible when we seek the heart of the Father. And that, I feel, was the word that he gave me just now when I pressed in, to know. It's this word in the Greek that means gnosko. And Jesus said that my sheep will know me and they will hear my voice and they will know me. It's a knowing the voice of somebody. Have you ever met somebody, you've seen pictures of them, but then they talk and you're like, whoa, I totally didn't expect that voice to come out of you. You don't sound like you look or whatever, right? We can see the image of somebody and not even have ever heard their voice. We can interact with somebody and not even know their name. We can interact with somebody and not even know their heart. We can have superficial relationship with anybody on the planet. It's not difficult. You know how the easiest way to get to know somebody is to shut up and listen. (laughs) It's to ask questions too, to inquire, to seek. So it is completely possible to know about somebody, to see the image of somebody. Let's talk about living in a world of social media and like Facebook stalking. (laughs) You can see somebody, you can see pictures of them, you can read their updates, you can watch their stories, subscribe to their channel, watch their videos. You can even meet them and tell them things about them that you've learned from simply watching and reading and studying the things that they've put out for you to know about them. And you can even ask their friends, hey, tell me about so-and-so. And you can, so have you ever met somebody and they say, oh, I've heard so much about you. There's a lot of people who've heard so much about Yahweh. There's a lot of people who've read so much about Christ. Oh, I can quote every word that you spoke in the red letters, Jesus. Wait, who are you again? Wow. So there's this idea that we can know the Father and we can know his heart. And that's what this is tonight, is this invitation Yes, we have destiny. Yes, we're being conformed into his image. Yes, there are things for us to do on this earth and we want to walk in them. But again, if we miss that foundational relationship with Yahweh, we're gonna miss the blueprints. We're gonna miss the works. We're gonna miss the conformity. Oh, I wanna look like Jesus. Do you wanna know Jesus? Oh, I wanna do great things for the kingdom. Do you wanna know him enough to where he'll just reveal that to you? 
Did you know that it's possible for him to just do that? And so I feel like I'm beating the horse right now, but John 5, 19 through 20, therefore Yeshua answered them, amen, amen, I tell you, the son cannot do anything by himself. Did you know that Jesus was limited in the fact that he couldn't do anything on his own? Wait a second, are you, are you saying, are you taking Jesus' power away from, it, from him? No, I'm telling you the source of his power. It didn't come from him alone. He can only do what he sees the father doing. It was the relationship with the father, him existing in such an intimate place with the father that he saw the father and then did what he did. He imitated the father like children imitate their parents. He had an image, he had a relationship, and he would hear and then do based on what the father was doing. Whatever the father does, the son does likewise, for the father loves his son and shows him everything he does. He will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he does. Are you a son of God? Now, contextually, this scripture is speaking about Jesus. But are we not as he is if we are in him? Is it quite possible that the Father can show us, his children, what to do and how to do it? Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Did you know that it's possible to discern the perfect will of God? What if someone came up to you and you were like, hey, guess what? man, I've just been in this place in my walk and the Lord is showing me his perfect will. What? What do you mean? Man, I just, I'm in relationship and the Spirit of God is leading me. The Holy Spirit's leading me in this relationship and God is showing me his perfect will. Like, here's the things he wants me to do. Here's the things he wants me to say. This is his heart's desire for Wichita, Kansas, for the source. Here's his desire for the Beyond Limits class and Engaging Heaven class and Kingdom Builder. Here's what the Lord desires for these ministries. He's showing me perfectly his perfect will. Well, who do you think you are? Why, I mean, why is he showing you? Why didn't he show anybody else? Why, I mean, what makes you so special? What makes you think you're, you know, are you holier than I am? Or and the people get offended. But again, it turns back into this idea that we can, as we are what? Transformed. Number one, as we're not, do not be conformed to this age. So we are to be conformed into the image and likeness of Christ because that's our destiny. So as we're being conformed into that, we are not being conformed into the pattern of this age. We're being conformed to the image of likeness of Christ. And it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That transformation, and literally this word here um, means transfiguration. It's the same word. I don't know why they translated it the way they did. Transfigure, be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Jesus went on the mountain before the glory of the Father and was transformed. He was transfigured. He looked different. There was a glow about him. There was an air about him. That guy looks different. Moses sat in the presence of the Father and came with the glory off the mountain. And so Scripture is telling us by the renewing of our mind, right, 
allowing the Lord to do the work to break off the shackles of what we thought was possible or impossible and allowing him to be the source for all things of what is possible. When Noah built the ark, people hadn't heard of rain. So the idea that water was going to fall from the sky was impossible. Oh, there's no way that's ever going to happen. We've never seen that in our world before. We've never seen that. And they deemed it as impossible. So just because we've not seen something before doesn't mean it's impossible. We can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And again, that's what this class is about. Saying, Lord, I give you me. Give you my heart. I give you my mind. I want to know you. I want to seek you. I want to know your heart. Begin to show me the things that you want to show me. Show me your heart. What is your heart? Listen, what is your heart for my family? What is your heart for my marriage? What is your heart for my job situation? What is your heart for my education? What is your heart for my business? What is your heart for these things? And I believe that it is possible to to answer the question, what is possible? It is possible that Yahweh is still today revealing his plan and will for our lives and giving us specific instructions for building his kingdom as we seek him beyond the veil where he's seated in heaven. I believe it's absolutely possible that the Father's still doing that. The question is, do you believe it's possible? And then beyond that, will you actually seek his heart for it? So I can tell you this. One time uh, Josh asked me, he's like, man, how's Beyond Limits going? Or something. And I said, oh, it's, it's been great. Now the... Now, the trick is actually doing what I'm teaching. <laughs> I have to actually do that. Turn our time and attention, say, Father, what do you desire? And then listen. And that's how we get to know somebody is we ask questions and we listen. And so the Father's just saying tonight, simply seek, seek my heart. That's where his will, his desires, his plan, his purpose It's where all those things exist and rest. And he'll begin to reveal those things to us over time as we continually go back to him, right? There's that song where it says, I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lean back against you and breathe, feel your heartbeat. Just that deep intimacy, that closeness with the Father, right? Again, a lot of us, we go in trying to build our own kingdom. God, will you give me this? Will you give me that? Will you help And we just ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. And he's like, I mean, it's my will that some of those things get taken care of, but it's got to come from my heart. Praise the Lord. He invites us into that relationship. And you guys, you guys know this. It's just a matter. I want to encourage you as as we um, close it up here. Just want to encourage you to find that quiet place and go to the Lord and just seek him in a way that maybe you've you've not sought him in a while or just begin to ask for deeper insight into his heart God what are those good deeds that you've predestined <laughs> because they're, they, they exist can you show me and can you show me in detail I need to know exactly what to do I want to do that and so he invites us to do that.